Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Folks, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv, and I am broadcasting from Poland. That's right. Some of you knew, some of you did not know, but uh, I came over here to Poland yesterday with my wife to visit her parents. I have not been to Poland yet, and so I'm letting her handle everything. I put my life in her hands, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm here in Poland. We're going to visit Krakow and Warsaw and Zakopane. I guess we're going up into uh, the mountains to see the sheep. So it should be a good time. I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you are checking this out anywhere other than Apple Podcasts or the podcasting networks, you can find us right there at the Dustin Gold Standard. You can also find us at pain.tv slash gold. That's the pain.tv community platform where you can watch the video version of the show. I just want to let everyone know on both the audio only and on the video version of the podcast, I do not have my mega computer system with me nor my production software. So this is the first thing I'm actually taping, recording, Uh, laying down here in Poland. So I've got an old simple broadcast software I used to use set up and over the next couple of days I will figure out how to make that work a little bit better to get some fancier graphics. But right now I'm just using this uh, this simple system and as long as the audio comes out good that's what I'm happy with right now I also started filming here in Poland some interesting things that I found and I am going to be interviewing some people. My wife grew up here in Poland under Soviet communism until she was, well, it it was a slow transition out from about the time she was seven years old to the time she was 10 years old. So I'm hopefully going to be interviewing a number of people that grew up under Soviet communism, since it seems to be that's basically what we're going to be living under in the United States. We kind of already are, but they're slow rolling it out. But a similar system, more technology. They did not have as much of that back when she grew up. But I'm also learning, uh, started learning actually how to make whiskey. Now, my uh, in-laws do not speak English. So I'm using uh, sort of Google Translate. Yes, I'm using the technocracy's technology. Uh, But a lot of uh, miming. I'm sitting over here like Charlie Chaplin. Just kind of uh, dancing a little soft shoe and moving my hands around trying to translate. But I'm learning how to make whiskey. I'm going to be learning how to make wine. We're going to be uh, actually smoking some fish. I went out with my father-in-law early this morning uh, and got some fish. It was really cool. I'm shooting some videos and I will end up editing this stuff together. I'm going to do a tour of the property because there's acres upon acres of uh, wooded land here. It's beautiful. So I'm going to be uh, taping some of that. Also, I have a very interesting interview that I recorded the other day with uh, Thomas Paine podcast fan favorite Maria Albanese, who comes on Fridays with Mike and co-hosts the show. I interviewed her. I've known Maria for about five years We uh, were introduced on Twitter through politics, and we become close friends. So Maria came on because she's got a really solid understanding of the United Nations Agenda 21, 2030, and even before 21. And so I used to study that stuff years ago. I wanted to do a quick 
refreshing of that information for myself and for you as we're talking about the technocracy. And I've been showing you that this stuff goes far beyond where a lot of people started paying attention to it, which was March 2020, the kickoff of COVID land. And it went beyond that, you know, back to Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum's book, The Force Industrial Revolution. And so what we're doing is kind of laying the foundation for what came before that, how we got to this point. As Maria and I discussed, not only do we need to understand where we are in the current you know, right here, right now, where we're going in the future, but a little bit about where we came from, a little bit about the past and how we got up to this point. And this will help us sort of figure out where they're going with this. Now, one of the things you're going to hear that Marie and I talk about is all of this sort of sustainable development, this low income housing that's being built all around my area in Frederick, Maryland, even down in her area in rural Florida. And you see a lot of this uh, development even going on here in Poland. As Marie and I discussed, this is worldwide. So hopefully I'm going to have the ability to investigate some of that here. And then we could at least show the similarities between uh, what's going on in this part of Europe and then what's going on in the United States. Other than that... Uh, I don't have a lot to say yet. I could tell you some really interesting stories. And yeah, I I did want to share this. I was going to do a separate podcast, but why not just let you know a little bit. First off, I want to give you a life hack for those of you that don't know. So my wife is pregnant. She's due at the end of October. And so one of the things we were not going to do ever was to submit to the jab uh, or submit to... um, a test. Uh, neither of us have done that, so we're going to keep ourselves pure bloods and our child of pure blood, at least for the foreseeable future. And so we were supposed to travel here in December, this past December for Christmas, and we were not able to uh, do that because you still needed to get a test at that time to get back into the United States. It was kind of like you needed vax cards, and you know it was very confusing. Uh, Europe actually dropped, uh, Poland in particular dropped the vaccine and testing mandates before the United States. And in the United States, the last thing that was on the books was you needed a negative test to come back in. And so we waited it out, waited it out, waited it out. They dropped it, and so we're here in Poland, and should be able to get back in without having to worry about that. The other thing is, we did not want my wife going through the body scanner, you know, the full body scanner where you put your hands up. Just don't want uh, our baby getting getting radiated. I don't know. We're being very careful, but, um, you know, with everything else that the baby's going to face in the world, we might as well cut out all this all this nonsense. We, we've been eating a lot of really good homegrown garden vegetables and supplementing everything with local organic uh, farms around us. We've been seeking out organic meat. So everything my wife is eating, we're trying to put in there that's healthy for the baby. So why are we going to walk into the airport and let them shock her stomach with the full body scanner. And so for those of you who don't know, you can actually um, tell them that you're opting out. And yes, you have to get a pat down, but so what? You get a pat down. It's a free pat down. You know what I'm saying? No, if you're a female, they're going to have a female cop do it for you. If you're a male, they're going to have a male cop do it, you know, the TSA. 
So I recommend opting out of the full body scan and they have the full body scanners right next to the old fashioned metal detectors and she did not have to go through either. So we were able to save our baby from having to get that. Now my first impression, and I know everybody always wants to know that when I got to Poland, we landed at the airport in Warsaw, we got off and then we had to go through basically like a border patrol immigration type check, very simple waited in line it was like 20 minutes and uh on the way there i stopped at the bathroom i will say the bathrooms and we flew out of newark new jersey the bathrooms in poland at least at the warsaw airport i swear you walk in there it's all bright white not a drop on the floor so i was pretty impressed with that i mean the bathroom is an important thing you know that all of us have to deal with so i was impressed with that and then when we were coming out of Warsaw, you know, typical city type look. And then we drove about two hours, you know, through suburbs into rural area. And so far here, the houses uh, are different looking. Um, it looks like they had sort of the old clay roofs. And now the new roofs being built are kind of uh, a plastic version of the old clay roof. Kind of just like in the United States, a lot of people can't afford to do a clay roof anymore. So if you live in an area that has the old-fashioned roofs, you know, similar like New Orleans, some areas in Florida and stuff, now it's these plastic roofs. But the more I familiarize myself with, with the language and the ability to communicate, now there are a lot of people here that do speak English as a second language. I am going to do interviews, talk to people about construction and such. My in-law's house that I'm in right now Really cool the way they designed this. This house is only about eight years old. It's on a huge piece of property, though. Uh, they've got the windows built a certain way. Uh, the blinds go up and down automatically. And they can keep this house really cool in the summer. And this is a very similar weather to the northeast uh, where I live. So they're able to keep it cool during the day and everything without air conditioning. It's actually pretty amazing. So... So far, that's what it's been. Uh, it's been a great trip. Like I said, we went out this morning. We picked up some fish, and uh, we were able to uh, get that back here. And my uh, father-in-law's got a big smoker out in the back. I'm going to film some of that for you when he's smoking the fish. And uh, we'll see how that is. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Maria Albanese. Stick in there. It's a little bit different than what she normally talks about on Mike. Some of this stuff she has addressed before on Mike's show. But we try to pack this into 90 minutes for you so that you have an understanding of the background of this sustainable development and these policies which are leading towards the smart cities and everything else that we're going to be battling over the next couple of years. So I hope you enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. I will be back with more stuff from here in Poland. And I'm learning a lot of Polish uh, words and phrases. Kohamche. That's I love you. Kohamche. Moya kohonye. That's I love you, my love, which I would not say to you, but I actually learned that a long time ago from my wife. So, Kohamche, Moya kohonye. Yes, 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 tesh piękna. That's you are beautiful. So, I'm learning that. Czesk. That's hello. Dzięki. That's thanks. Dziękuję is a thank you, more like formal thank you. Fajna dupeczka, that is a fine ass. Yeah, I don't, maybe you're going to need that one day. I've learned some other ones. I don't want to give you all that, but uh, when I get into the whiskey, maybe I'll explain how we make whiskey in Polish 
and then I'll translate it for you as well. But it's been a lot of fun, folks. I hope you guys are having a great time back in the mainland while I'm right here in Poland. And I'm going to do a lot of investigating here and see if this is any better. You know, the history here, they were under fascism for quite some time and then under Soviet communism and then got a Soviet communism and joined the United Nations. So just like the United States, it's just people just always want to push themselves back into bigger government. You throw out big government, you join a bigger government. I don't know what it is. We humans don't want to be free. We don't want real liberty. But I will talk to a lot of people here that grew up in and around this. Uh, hopefully my in-laws will go on camera. We can do an interview. My wife can translate and you can learn all about what it was like to grow up under Soviet communism, which so far doesn't actually seem to be much different than what we've had in the United States for a while. I think that's going to shock you when you hear the stories and realize, wow, communism is pretty much what we've been living under. We just don't call it that. We call it freedom. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you very much. This is Dustin Gold, and you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv, live from Poland. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv, and we are back from the break. I have a wonderful guest with us today, a Thomas Paine podcast fan favorite. Friday's co-host Maria Albanese and today we are going to discuss something that's very important as I keep trying to teach you guys this technocracy this world government didn't all start on March 2020 at the beginning of COVID land this has been going on for decades and it was, we were able to illustrate through the words of Ray Kurzweil and through Yuval Noah Harari and through Elon Musk and through all these different characters we've been looking at, this stuff goes back years, it goes back decades. And tonight, we are going to get into some research that Maria has been doing for years. Both of us go back to the Glenn Beck days. And Maria was really on top of this stuff back then. She knows more than I do over the next few days as I travel to Poland. Uh, with my wife, I'm going to be doing a lot of research into this topic, so I wanted to brush up, and I figured if I'm going to ask her a lot of questions, we might as well make it a show and let her explain it in detail. She has talked about some of this on the Thomas Paine podcast, but now we're going to try to condense it all into one tight hour for you, and this way you will be caught up. A lot of us are starting to understand the present that we live in. I'm trying to show you the future that's coming, but we really also need to know where this came from. So we're going to roll back to about 1972 with the Declaration of the United Nations Conference on the Human Environment. Maria Albanese, co-host on Fridays of the Thomas Paine Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you very much up. for coming on. Yeah, we're all packed up. And in full disclosure, Maria is the one who introduced me to Commander <laughs> Mike Moore. So if you guys love the show, she gets all the credit. If you hate the show, 
You can blow it up. I guess I get all the credit. (laughs) (laughs) I am responsible. Yes, you're definitely responsible. I got to tell you before we start. I started listening to Mike. I mean, you introduced me to Mike a couple of years ago. You introduced me to his content like maybe four or five years ago. Um, and we met through the fact that, that, you know, I've been full disclosure. I've talked about it on the show now. I was a big Trump supporter. I got behind him in 2015, 16. I went to rallies. I went to the inaugural balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I donated to him. So we met that way. And then slowly, uh, as many of you have <laughs> sort of said, disenfranchised as we <laughs> I jumped like, off the train a few here? months in, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think we hung in for quite a quite a while and, and, and then we just kept a lot of things to ourselves and observed from the sidelines and said I think the train's going off the rails. <laughs> Yeah, but, well, we were and we were both yeah. involved in in alternative media in different ways. You know, you were producing content over on Long Island Radio. I was doing a, a podcast with someone back then, and then I was producing content mm-hmm. for someone else. So we were always involved with this, but decisions were made right. behind the scenes that at a certain point we weren't we didn't want to take responsibility for Trump's campaign failing, and then they start attacking right. us. Because at that point, what choice did we really have? You know, what 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 choice was there politically? Zero, zero at that point. You know, you you just have to watch and wait and see what unfolds. Um, which again, I think we have a core, a good core group behind the scenes that all felt the same way. You, you know, you can't just run out in traffic with everything you feel is not right. You have to, I, I just think we have to sit and wait. And, you know, the more we look back on things, boy, were we right on many things. Um, but here we are, you know, but yes, we were both 100% on that Trump train, um, enjoying the ride from the beginning. Um, but March, well, first of all, March 20, we, we knew things were happening a little before March. But March 2020 really is what I think accelerated you and I and others um, to really say what the hell's going on here. Oh, definitely. So. And you know, and we saw and we saw points throughout his presidency where he almost looked like he was held hostage when he would come out and have to sign these giant omnibus bills, and looked right. like he was, you know, it was not a Trump that you were used to seeing. He wasn't very braggadocious and and uh, right. And really like flamboyant and eccentric. He was sitting there with dry mouth, literally saying, okay, this is the last time I have, I'm ever going to do this. <laughs> I mean, he looked almost like Joe right. Biden up there a couple of times. And so, but, but again, as the election got closer, a lot of people just made the decision to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm not going to be the one to rock the boat at this point because uh, what other options do you yeah, have? And I, I mean, I, I voted for him in 2020. I mean, that's not a secret. Um, but here we are, we're, we're still, right, right now, that, that's not even our battle anymore. Our battle is fighting everything that's been going on in the background for decades. Um, you know, I remember years ago learning about Agenda 21 and when things were happening in my own community, if I would say to people, either at a school meeting or, you know, a function, you know, this is happening because of Agenda 21. I'm the only person 
that would know this and, and everyone would look at you like you had, you know, four heads or something. So no one really, no one knew when it was, you know, they, they didn't know why these things were happening in our community, why subsidized housing was being built right in the middle of a residential neighborhood and, you know, and, and so on and so on. But I would tell people sustainability is built in to every local government, every town, every city, once you see the word, you cannot in, unsee it. Just like if you go to any one of your favorite search engines and put in, you could put in uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution and any industry out there. Um, pages will come up, just pages and pages. Same with Agenda 30. Same with um, the great, any, anything that is relevant to what is really happening that many people do not even know about. You can run that search and get huge returns on that search. It is something that you don't have to dig deep for. But through the years, which the main thing many people in the, in the alternative media would talk about would be Agenda 21. That was the big one right. up until 2015. Now, I'm skipping over. 2000 because 2000 is when they came up with the millennial the, the msds which are the millennial sustainable development goals and there were eight of those in 2000 that they wanted to meet by uh, 2015 now 2015 rolls around and they say hey guys this is not good enough we need 17 goals and we need to meet these goals by 2030 and everybody met and everybody agreed to it and, but, but if we want to even go farther back, and I have discussed this on Mike's show, we can take it back to the 70s. We can take it back um, to, yeah, the Nixon administration. Um, yeah, I mean, I have the World a, Conference in Stockholm. Yeah, right now on the screen, I have uh, June 16th, 1972, which was the United Correct. Nations Conference on the Human Environment at Stockholm. And then I have... This 1974 yeah. uh, document written by Henry Kissinger, a 123-page document, that literally line three on the cover sheet says, Implications of Worldwide Population Growth by former U.S. Right. Secretary and Overseas Interest Kissinger Report. And then we go forward just to lay a quick timeline out for the audience. We have the Global 2000 Report, which was commissioned by President Jimmy Carter, uh, this says it warned that world population growth would have dramatic consequences by the year 2000 if no changes in public Correct. policy were made. And then we go right into the UN's website where they talk about the 92 Earth Summit and then, as you just mentioned, the uh, Millennium Summit. And then we go into – they had stuff going on in 2002, 2012, then 2015. You know, so just broad strokes before we get into this – this stuff, as we keep pointing out, this is why I keep showing you guys articles on the technocracy, on Elon Musk projects and stuff going back to 2015, 2014, and the World Economic Forum, Fourth Industrial Revolution. That was being talked about in 2016. I've even found some stuff from 2015. So they've been talking about this a long time. They've been planning it for a long time. But Maria, let's just... Give people a basic idea of when we talk about sustainable development and sustainable goals, what are, what are these planners, these social engineers actually referring to? 
Um, you mean the 17 sustainable goals? Well, I mean, sustainable goals, sustainable goals in general. What do they mean by sustainable goals, sustainable development? What are they talking about? Well, they're, they're wanting to reshape the globe. Um, they want to end poverty. They want to have um, uh, health care, education, you name it. They want to reinvent the wheel on every level. So they, they've been working on it. Uh, like I said, since, well, we know the 70s. But right now we need to work off of the, the um, 2015 template, which is the Agenda 2030, which is where they want to meet these goals at a very high percentage. And le like, let's take energy. That's one of their goals. Well, we see what they're doing with energy because they want to meet that net zero um, footprint. And, and there's even a 2050. So between 2030 and 2050, they really want to get down to zero um, carbon footprint, right? But Right, and then just so the what, audience knows, the 2030, uh, the Global Development Policy and Agenda for 2030, this is the one uh, where Obama had released this to Congress at the same exact time, and I've got the articles up, where the United Nations Summit on Sustainable Development was meeting in New York, right? On September 27, 2015 is when um, at the UN they had another major summit on that day. Um, on the same day, Obama did meet uh, with Congress to, um, you know, give them <clears throat> the 411 on what, what is going on and that he was committing to this. And then on the WhiteHouse.gov uh, website is the fact sheet that they are on board with uh, the Sustainable Development Goal Agenda of 2030. So <clears throat> here we have the president informing everyone in Congress. And, you know, the world we're signing on, I think it was like for $100 billion uh, that, that he was allocating from. Yeah, here, uh, I'll, I'll just read this open. I have the fact sheet up uh, for the video audience, for okay. the audio-only audience. I'll just read you a piece of this. This is uh, President Obama's commitment to global development. 2015 is a pivotal year for global development. World leaders gathered in New York today to adopt the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. We call it the 2030 Agenda. The adoption of the 2030 Agenda, which sets out a global development vision and priorities for the next 15 years, captures the hopes and ambitions of people around the globe for meaningful change and progress, including here in the United States. And then it goes on to say, the United States is committed and helped mobilize more than $100 billion, with a B, in new funding from other donors right. and the private sector to fight poverty in the areas of health, food security, and energy. Right. Now, what's important to know is they have uh, enlisted the help of hundreds of um, NGOs and the, and the private sector. So we know that they have recruited all of this to make these goals a reality. So... Many of us really started talking a lot about it in 2020 because it was early 2020 when we, April of 2020, when we were stumbling onto all of the simulations and the connections and then it was the World Economic Forum and so on and so forth. So what I'm trying to say to people is <laughs> everyone in Congress and in government has known about this. 
It's the people that have not known about this. The media has not re- ever, ever reported upon any of this. I can't even say they've, they've reported on it in depth. They've not even touched it. And it's only recently a crumb or a morsel um, has come out on Fox News just being mentioned the World Economic Forum. There, there are no deep dives into any of this. Never has been. They didn't do it with Agenda 21 or the Millennial uh, Sustainable Development Goals. And they certainly didn't do it with this mega one. And this is the mega one because this is the one where we're getting the fourth industrial revolution out of a lot of these goals. It all, it's all kind of married together, right? In order to meet some of these goals, you need to have the fourth industrial revolution uh, to usher it all in. So these you, are massive. No, I was going to say, and, yeah. And you don't even see people in mainstream media, including you know, anyone who watches Fox, you know, news favorite, you know, Tucker Carlson, even ask the question of which, you know, we'll answer in future episodes, but who the hell is Klaus Schwab and why the hell do the most powerful people in the world from heads of state, you know, bureaucrats, national security, um, chiefs, uh, CEOs, union bosses, trade association leaders, what the hell do these people all flock together to Davos to listen to a guy whose father has ties to the Nazis? Like, what is it about this man? Nobody even asked that question. Like, who is this man and why are these people meeting with him? Right. And, and I don't even think it's about the man because the man is just the front man. Well, the man the real and power or the organization. The, world, the, right. the man right. and or the organization like know, or his book. Right. Like, why are... No one asked the question is, why are the most powerful people in the world, the most influential people in the world, the wealthiest people in the world, flocking to Davos to sit and listen to this man and his band of merry men? And what is the World Economic Forum? And why do they wield so much power? And what the hell is this fourth industrial revolution? And who the hell gives Klaus Schwab, this unelected official, the ability to sit on this world stage and say, we're moving forward into the fourth industrial revolution? And then people heads of state around the world line up behind him and usher it forward. I mean, that. I'm, have you ever heard Tucker Carlson ask that question? No, no one's ever, no one's ever going to ask these questions because they're, they're not allowed to bring focus to it. That, that's the point. Like, everyone that goes there to meet knows they kind of have to go there to meet. They have to get their marching orders, their blueprint books, whatever is going on. Um, we Again, anyone outside of all... I, I personally don't know anyone outside of alternative media that, that even knows what the fourth industrial revolution is. Um, and that's the way they want They certainly didn't know about Agenda 21. So if you don't have any mainstream or cable news or radio covering these things to, to um, bring it to the surface for, you know, citizens of the world to, to know about it, uh, they're not going to know about it. So, no, they're not They're not going to highlight any of this. They, they don't want that stuff. If, if everybody had a bullet-pointed list that went into um, town halls and rallies where their local state politicians were and started asking the, these um, globalist agenda questions, they're not going to answer you or they're, or they're not going to be able to answer you. But what I'm saying is 
We know in 1992, Nancy Pelosi addressed it Congress with Agenda 21. She brought that forward, every bipartisan, everyone was on board with it in 1992. So you have a Congress knowing about these things. Now in 2015, we have a Congress knowing about these things. So when all, all of our, our congressmen and women act stupid, that nobody asked them the question for them to look stupid, if that makes sense. So if everything is hush, these issues do not get addressed. But meanwhile, you have tons of citizens saying, well, why is this happening? And why is that happening? And I don't understand. And I don't, well, it's happening because the wheels were put in motion a long time ago. And none of us voted for this. But who we did vote for were politicians that never discussed any of this. These were never any topics in any debate, local, state, national. None of this has ever been a part of the American people or the global citizens. You have to dig this stuff up. But let's say you are a journalist and you get into an arena. We already know that the majority of these questions are already screened. They're not organic. So any, anyone that would want to ask a question, it's not going to happen. No one is going to, to go and do a gotcha on these politicians that are very well aware that we have been a major part of globalism for a long time, and it has been considered conspiracy theory. It has been laughed at and mocked. I, I love for years and years and years, I play that Barney Miller clip from a 1980s sitcom where um, you know one of the actors is arrested and they make him sound like a total crazy person because he's talking about the trilateral commission etc oh, etc yes. et <clears throat> and then you have the laugh track and, and it's funny because now that's what they need to do they need to mock anything like that that is true and you should be looking at because if everybody's laughing, they go, oh, well, that's crazy. So if everybody thinks it's crazy, it must be crazy. You don't, you, you don't want to listen to that guy. Or you don't want to listen to that show because they're, they're crazy. When in reality, many of these things are operating in the background at full force. Now, I like to separate. Okay, So you have the, t the 2030 agenda, which we know the fourth industrial revolution is ushering that way. And then we say, wait a second, we have schemedemic in 2020. And that came out of many simulations done by the private sector donors, Bill Gates, John Hopkins, philanthropy. Um, so you had all of that going on. So, gee, are we crazy to think that they kicked off a simulation during flu season to accelerate? The goals, the 17 goals, moving us towards the fourth industrial revolution. And so it, it all makes sense to me in my mind, um, you know, because I have this diagram of how I'm looking at it all and how they structure things. Um, and, and, it, and it's all, none of this is a magic bullet. It's all open sourced information. You no, can the, watch I mean, Obama the, the, on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing where you're 100% c 
correct about this is I mentioned to Legal Man when I filled in on uh, the Thomas Paine podcast, none of this is conspiracy theory because a conspiracy is more than two people meeting in secret in order to right. develop it's, it's, a plan to achieve a common <laughs> goal and outcome. There's nothing secret. I mean, right. there's, there's it's, not, secret. it's not only not a conspiracy theory, it's not even a conspiracy, especially the last few years where literally... Like, okay, you can turn on Yuval Harari and watch him tell these guys that humans have no spirit, they have no soul, free will is dead, and we are hackable animals, and here's the code to hack them, and this is what we're going to do. Like, I, I keep pointing out uh, to our audience, I'm showing over the next four episodes of this Elon Musk series I've done, a lot of it is analyzing what he said on Joe Rogan's show in 2018 and 2020. He literally sits there and tells you he's going to drill a hole in your skull and put a brain chip in your head and connect you up to the cloud. And yet there's people who say, well, who's the bad guy? Where's the boogeyman? Well, is Elon Musk not enough of a boogeyman for you? I mean, what else do we need here? Right. I, I, I mean, you're, you're sitting there thinking the man is a hero and he's telling you what he's doing. These guys published this. I pulled up all the websites in a matter of, you know, 15 minutes of you telling me what to pull up. And it's all there with one Google search from Agenda 21 to yeah, 2030 to so. the Sustainable Bullet Points. <clears throat> Event 201 right here is their website, centerforhealthsecurity.org, 201. It's got right. all the details on Event 201, which was the simulation a few and months have, before COVID kicked off. Right. And before that, there was um, Cladex and there was the Spars pandemic and there was the Rockefeller document on lockstep. Um, there was Crimson Contagion in 2019, from January to August. That was a that was the United States a full on. Um, they used a lot of uh, quite a few states por were participants, and in like an eight month exercise on a kind of virus that you can look that up. Crimson Contagion. Um, so anyway. And there was the other uh, paper that I told you to pull up, which is by something called uh, Sustainable Brands, and they list all of the sustainable development goals, and next to it, they put the NGOs that are assisting to make this these goals reality. So, oh, again, here. let's that's look at people. it. So we've got uh, end poverty in all its forms everywhere and again this is kind of the point I, I keep bringing up to the audience as well i do you really believe that these wealthy you know technocratic overlords want to end poverty across the world do you really think they wake up every day and want to end poverty <laughs> so you have uh you know acumen changing the way the world tackles poverty you have saved the children plan international world vision brock Care, Heifer, Gain, Kickstart, One Acre Fund, Stop Hunger Now, ICRC. Do you know how many people would be uh, unemployed if they ended hunger tomorrow? All the people that work for these groups. <laughs> so, I mean, this goes on and on and on. There's, exactly. I can't even read all these because I'm flipping through this for the video audience on pain.tv right now, which if you're interested, you could sign up at pain.tv slash gold, but... Guys, there's like, oh my God, in this document, there's got to be, I've probably passed 100 logos already. 
Oh, Sierra right. Club. And, and, That's and the, one really... of the people that tried to recruit me years ago to talk about eugenics. So, Right, right. I, I mean, really blow your mind if you go and look up um, non-governmental organizations. I oh, really guess who's, I guess who's on here? World you... Economic Forum. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, if, if you look at um, NGOs and you look at how many categories of different NGOs there are, it's massive. It's massive. So yes, they, they recruit the NGOs and um, the private sector to, you know, help usher in what they're trying to achieve. Again, not an American issue. This is a global issue. Um, and we are very much tied to this global agenda. And in fact, it was Glenn Beck that said many, many, many years ago, I'm going back well over a decade where he talked about the top-down, bottom-up philosophy of, you know, in, in order to, you, you have to bring the other countries up and bring America down because they want this level playing field. And this is what yeah. the open borders globally is all about as well. So we, we've seen it happen in Europe and it's happening here. They're, they're making no attempt to, to slow um, the bleed that we have. Um, you, you know, remember when DACA was our biggest, um, issue? Yeah. I mean, we, we wish we were back in the DACA days after what we've witnessed. Um, yeah. you know, since, since well, Biden that, took and, office, the, the floodgates are open. And let me just point this out to the audience. Cause I pulled this up on the screen. It's just, you need to understand this, right? So when she's talking about, you know, there's the, the government, the public sector, then there's the private sector and then the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations, but. Here's the best part about it, folks. So you have the government, which is the public sector. Then you have the private sector that we know receives money from the government through grants and government, government. contracts. <laughs> and then you have the NGOs. And I'll just read NGOs. you from Investopedia. <laughs> a non-governmental organization or NGO is a nonprofit citizen-based group that functions independently of government. NGOs are organized on local, national, and international levels to serve economic, social welfare, and civic purposes. Despite their independence from the government, many NGOs receive significant funding That's from true. the government. From the government. It's the truth. As Legal Man points out, um, as incompetent or as we are led to believe the government is, it is the strongest entity on the planet. They control everything. So these Correct. NGOs are independent from the government. But guess what? To get government grants, you have to agree to do certain things that the government tells you you right. have to do in order to get the grants. When people took the PPP, uh, PPE loans during the COVID for their small businesses, they had to follow certain guidelines that the government Correct. set for them to get that money. So that's how the government then controls your restaurant, controls your little small business general store, whatever it is, because once you take money from them, you then have to comply or you will be penalized. Right. And that's exactly what we're looking at. It's all government. All government across the board. Yeah, and I so just want to point everyone out... Everyone in Congress knows. Oh, yeah, everyone <laughs> in Congress knows. And tying this into the stuff that I've been discussing, and I'll put this up on the screen uh, yeah, eventually in an episode, 
I just found information doing research on InQtel, the CIA's hedge fund, the other day. Back in 2013, somebody published this fantastic list of like 125, 150 companies. Open knowledge, uh, open source, uh, open source intelligence yes. that the CIA through InQtel at that time in 2013, after being in existence since 1999, had invested in or started over 125 Silicon Valley tech companies. So, I mean, the CIA mm -hmm. owns tech companies. Some of these companies right. are public. InQtel started Palantir, which is Peter Thiel's company, and they are a publicly traded company. So, and again, because this is public information, that's not black budget money. Therefore, your representatives in Congress and the Senate had to vote on this it was their responsibility right. to look at the spending bills, to look at the budgets. They'll tell you they're too big. They don't know what's in them. Well, that's not my problem, pal. Didn't we elect you to go through this stuff? Isn't this why you all have multi-million dollar budgets for your staffers and for your office so that you can review these things? So they're sitting there and funding all of this Agenda 21, Agenda 30 shit. And at the same time, they're sitting there pumping all this money into the CIA that hands money to InQtel to buy up Silicon Valley and to start these tech companies right. building the prison planet around us. I mean, who is to blame right. for this if it's not the people that we elect to be our representatives? Well, that's the point. The people that we elect, uh, these are never topics of conversation. Um, they're not part of any of their agendas. You know, so when people go to, you know, meet these people or read their bios and why should I vote for you, uh, none of these are a platform. And the media isn't asking them about these things, so the people don't know to ask about these things. Uh, the media, to me, is nothing more than a live version of the National Enquirer that you see in the supermarket checkout. They cover superficial crap. Um, hamster wheel stuff that, that keeps us arguing with our neighbors or our family. <clears throat> it's never anything of substance. You're never, it's all opinion news. We know that. So you're never going to get anything of substance to where people in the community say, Hey, what, what, what are you going to put in my neighborhood? What is this all about? What does this tie back to? No, if you don't know what you don't know, how are you supposed to address this at a town hall? You can't. And again, no. it's not brand new. It's, it's not where we could say, oh my gosh, we're learning all this for the first time over the past two and a half years. No, no. And we've gone through every president, Republican and Democrat. We've gone through Nixon and HW and, and uh, Reagan and Clinton and, W and Obama, and, and you know, well, and under Trump, we had <laughs> we had major shutdowns. So we've had it. It's by it's definitely bipartisan. Um, but the it's the people, the mass majority of the people that are unaware of what's going on. You know, you challenge anybody if you're if you're listening to podcasts and alternative media. And there are many people that have been talking about this for years and years and years. And you go into, you know, a PTA meeting or your local coffee shop and, and just bring it up to folks that may not be exposed to any of that. I can guarantee they have no clue what you're talking about. And don't forget, this all ties in 
uh, to the ESG. Okay, so when we're doing sustainable goals on energy and you're in the fourth industrial era, well, that's the ESGs that the corporate modeling is using, which is going to hurt a lot of people. Now we have people investing in companies, um, ESG rating scores, et cetera, et cetera. You know, part of me says uh, this is not going to end well because a lot of people are getting pissed off with um, certain goals that are transforming everything so quickly because it's so obvious. Uh, let's say the woke. People are getting disgusted with the woke corporations. So I don't know how that, I can't predict how that's going to end up. But um, we know they're doing it in education. We know they're doing it in energy. They know, we know they want to take our cars away. Um, so it's everywhere and it's accelerating. It, it, but it could not have <clears throat> accelerated this fast without Schemedemic 2020. No, that was the major push. I mean, that was, I mean, that's why it was appropriately labeled, uh, you know, by the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. Again, something they did not hide. But as the Great Reset, if if you, I mean, you sent me some stuff, uh, and I, I haven't had a chance to look into it. I'm going to do it on the plane from someone who wrote about that we're sort of still in this third industrial era. We're not necessarily in the fourth or moving into the fourth now obviously world economic forum and klaus schwab frames it as the fourth industrial revolution and the revolution then would be moving into the fourth industrial era he even talks uh, about the fifth in his book so he's already uh, right. talking about what comes after that which is just you know total nutty the worst sci-fi dystopian movie you've ever seen basically is where where mm -hmm. these guys plan on bringing us. But right now I have World Economic Forum's website up with the, the bright spots in a complicated ESG framework. You know, I sometimes I wonder if, because we know, I, I mean, this is, a, it's a careful balance. Uh, and I think because we're nuanced and we're not, uh, at this point to me, sort of the conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, left, right, Lines are so blurred. I think after the Trump presidency, nobody really knows where they stand anymore. Trump ran. He kind of fused the Tea Party fiscal conservatives with sort of the blue-collar workers that were left behind by the Democrats over the years as they became more woke and focused on so, uh, social issues. But now I think it's all blurred, and no one knows where they stand. And so it's very hard to organize right now. But as you said, if you go to a local meeting and you try to bring this up to somebody— I, I got so frustrated with those things because you go there, uh, you know, we have a mutual acquaintance who's been trying to get involved with their local Republican town committee and they've been getting so frustrated because those people are there and they're like, you know, we got to focus on getting Bill elected because Bill's going to yeah. get rid of that regulation where we don't have to have the mailboxes within a foot and a half from the driveway. And my mailbox, and this is literally what people are talking about. It has nothing to do with this big picture of these sustainable goals and this technocracy being shoved down our throats. Right. No, it's, you're 100% right. And most people, even if they're intrigued a little bit, as soon as you start talking about it, they're glazed over because it is too much. 
it is too much for them. And, and even though it's not, because you could just look at a synopsis at each thing very quickly, give yourself quick education. Okay, this happened here. This is what they wanted to achieve there. Okay, this, this, and you can just look at it in a timeline. You don't have to digest every morsel uh, from the 1970s. You know, you just look at the um, Global 2000 report. That's like a 900 page report. Nobody's going to read that. But you could read the synopsis, what it was about, and he was saying by 2000, what would happen? Can't remember clearly, but I think that came out at the end of the Carter. It was commissioned, but wasn't finalized to the end of his administration. And then you had Reagan. And I don't think they um, took the recommendations seriously. Or yeah, fast let me see. Enough, I actually you know? found all the volumes of this, uh, of the global. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. So it's actually like scanned. Um, yeah, there's three volumes. If anybody's interested, just look up the Global 2000 report to the president on Wikipedia, and then right on that front page, there are three links to the three volumes of the report uh, in PDF. I mean, not that you necessarily want to go through it. But uh, it is right. available if you want. Well, you, you could always use your control find feature and look for certain words that you're interested in to see what they were saying. Um, but nevertheless, I, I can't remember what the Reagan administration um, did with it. But again, fast forward to 1992. And Maria, just, just so you know, was, it's, uh, it's over 1,300 pages. And okay. apparently okay. it's scanned, so you can't actually search it, <laughs> which makes it really great. Oh, forget it. Just yeah. forget it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like so, old yeah, micro you can find the synopsis. Yeah, you could find an old synopsis or something um, on it, you know, what the findings were, let's say that. But in 1992, everything was very well planned out. And many people did cover Agenda 21 for many years. You, you know, look out for this. This is what they're going to do. But most people were sorry. You know, many people were sorry. And, and remember, podcasts weren't big back then. No, you, you no. Know, and here you go. Had... An Agenda 21, if people want that, that's available. It's a uh, sus sustainabledevelopment.un.org and um, you just you could just look up Agenda 21 it comes up now that's a right. 351 page document that is searchable but again as Maria right. explained in the beginning you know from there we've sort of we moved to 2030 then you have the Agenda 2030 mixed with now uh, some of the uh, goals coming out of World Economic Forum so to go back and research would really be just for you, I think, to look at the current stuff because certain goals they already achieved. And then what they do is they take all the things they didn't achieve, they decide, you know, just like your own personal to-do list for the weekend. You decide, well, I really didn't need to do that. We didn't really need that one. This one worked. This one didn't work. I accomplished this. Okay, let's make a new list. And so what yeah. they do is I, then they I, go ahead and they make a new list. Look up um, Social Progress Index. And I think this is something that they use, and I think I read it was Deloitte, 
crunched numbers. And I think this is how they tell the progress that they're making on, on certain goals. Yeah, so the Social Pro- Progress Index measures the extent to which countries provide for the social and environmental needs of their citizens. 54 indicators in the areas of basic human needs, foundations of well-being, and opportunity to progress show the relative performance of nations. The index is published Mm -hmm. by the nonprofit Social Progress Imperative and is based on the writings of a bunch of people I don't care about. The SPI measures the well-being of a society by observing social and environmental outcomes directly rather than the economic factors. And I think the good thing is based on all of these metrics they have, they've done a good job because I feel like they've been taking care of me, don't you? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely, 100%. They, government loves us. Yeah, I see the Agenda 21, 20, 30 development going on all around the county I live in. And I just mm-hmm. know they're really, really watching out for the environment and overpopulation because my town has, the county has basically tripled in population in the last nine years. So they're really looking out on that overpopulation. Well, no, you're right because I know where you live and what are they doing? They are recreating urban sprawl in the country. Everywhere. You remember, I mean, you remember when I first moved here last year and I was, I was calling yeah. you going, Maria, you got to see this. And I would send you videos <laughs> of I know. What, they're, what they're doing up here, guys. And this is going on all within, um, you know, 75, 100 miles of Washington, D.C. And as Washington, D.C. becomes more and more uh, unaffordable, people are moving outward, you know, and outward and outward. And now it's expanded to the point where I have friends of mine that commute an hour and a half one way to go work in Washington, D.C. and then drive back out to our area. And our area is becoming so expensive now that they are actually moving another half hour out. So there are people literally doing a four-hour round trip to go to work. And these are people that work in government or work for government contractors, and they're not even making enough. And these people make a lot of money, aren't even making enough to be able to afford to live closer to Washington, D.C. And then what they're doing here is they're buying 100, 200, 500-acre farms and then literally coming in, and in about one year, they will put up like 600 what would be old-school inner-city row homes, basically row homes. There will be one street that could be a mile long, and there will be 350 of these row homes. And they're literally 15 feet wide attached to the next one. And they're three-level apartments. And these things are selling for between mm-hmm. five and $700,000. There's nothing yeah, spent. It, they're it, literally insane. made out of uh, paper towel tubes. I mean, that's like the quality well, yes, of the construction. It, yeah. yeah. yeah and like, and, if you, and if you drove home drunk one night with a buzz on, you could land anywhere in this You would never find. Yeah. And never be able to find your home because it's no, all exactly the same. It's the truth. And they have no backyards. No, I know. And you say, where do these kids play? And they go, well, down that way, 14 streets, there's a park. You drive down there, it's basically a slide. That's about all they have. And these things look like uh, in the neighborhoods where they have the single-family Ryan Home-style units, it looks like you're on the set of The Truman Show. Like, it is freaky the way that this stuff is set up. 
Yeah. And this gives birth to, you know, more of the fourth industrial revolution in, in the smart cities of the future that they want to build. You know, they want you not to own a car and, and, and take public transportation. So if they can't push everyone into the city, they will just urbanize the rural areas. And then they will implement and put everything in, in those areas. But then you have uh, the subsidized housing. So you can take an area that was nothing but a suburb of a major city, maybe 50 miles out. And it was nothing but single family homes. That's it. You know, minimal apartments. And then all of a sudden, bing, 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 bing. There's massive apartments going up, but it's subsidized housing. That's also oh, happening. Yeah, yeah, and let, well. and let me, yeah, and let me bring this up because I've been getting involved with some local issues here, and I'm and I'm glad you said that. So what they're doing here in some cases, and th this is not just some made up stuff. I've actually been talking to people that are in construction. They're building these properties. People that work in zoning, friends of theirs that work for the government. So some of these, right. let's say they take a, a ten acre farm and they build nineteen streets of forty. Uh, of these townhome row homes on on a street, what they're doing is they start selling these things before they're even the, before they even break ground. But you might go in there right. like an idiot and buy one of these for five hundred grand, and they'll make street one all people that bought them for five hundred grand. Then street two will be subsidized section eight. You didn't know that they didn't disclose that to you when you bought it, and then the next street will be people that paid for it. The next street will be subsidized. And literally, then you have these patches uh, down the street from us. They bought, um, it's only one acre. They rammed eight houses on it that are like these Ryan homes. They literally have like 12 feet between them. And uh, mm -hmm. they, these would be five to $700,000 homes around here. Literally, no yard. Like you have a foot around your, pro around your house. I just found right. out. And I, it's a very good source that those are actually Section 8. There's a developer that's going to, like a property manager with a contract with the government that's going to own them. And they're going to be rented out for like $800 a month as subsidized housing under the Section 8 program. And uh, another guy, he's like, you can't be serious. These are like five to $700,000 houses. And they said, yeah, they're going to actually start doing that now. And so the other thing is that uh, we, you know, you ha you told me to look into it. And for the audience, here's something, you know, a life hack. If you're looking to get property out in rural areas, uh, just to take a look at these USDA loans. So what the USDA is doing is literally some of these are zero down, like no money down, low interest rate. But you have to, some of these loans, you have to be from the inner city, have to be a minority, have to be this, to get a, a loan to go move into a rural property, like a homestead-style property. Uh, it's obviously to start moving city folk into the rural areas and start destroying the rural areas. Sadly, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, nothing, none of this is to help me and you. But, of course, like I said, you might be able to use that to your advantage. But this stuff is going on all over the place. All, 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 all over the globe. This, this is, again, not just something that's happening here. Uh, and I've seen it here in the, in the 18 years that I've lived in my community, which was once a very sleepy little town with just 
single family homes and maybe one or two normal apartment complexes. Um, no, it, it, it has changed a lot. So what you have to do is always check with your planning and zoning department to see, you know, the word sustainability buried in, in, in everything and, and question them. You, you know, what incentives are you getting from the government for you to do this? For you to approve of uh, this subsidized apartment complex in my backyard? Because that is happening. And this is all well, about diversifying. With, based on your knowledge, but in your opinion, if you just take, let's say, this county, which is now, uh, I don't know, 150,000, 200,000 people, what what do you think these people that work inside of the government in zoning, what what are they getting? What are they getting from the federal government uh, to that's, push forward these policies? That's what I'm saying. No, do you know? Plenty. I'm asking. Oh, no, I don't know. No, no, no. That's why I said you, wherever you live, you have to inquire what what is happening in your town. What changes are coming about and why are they coming about? Uh, you know, why are they, you know, dancing the dance? You know, they're only doing what, like we always say, their job. You know, they're going to rubber stamp anything. It's just Everything like school, there's all to do. Public yeah. schools. Right. Just like the schools that get federal dollars. You know, they're, they're going to implement certain curriculums or have money pulled. This is the control across the board are those federal dollars. Yep. It's the federal government money spread out all over, like we just said, mm-hmm. from the public right. sector you know, to the private sector, to the NGOs, the, to the nonprofits, right. to the now charities, the person, to the schools, to everything. The government money is everywhere. Everything. This is blood e- money everywhere. everywhere. When the person that you were talking to, when you come back from um, Poland, you should get together with that person and dig deeper. A- ask them, you know, where does this stem from? You know, where's the money yeah, coming there, from? No, Why no, no, are they you're, doing- you're, Yeah, you're right. There, but there is uh, so someone who has lived in this area for 23 years and actually used to work for the uh, school board in another county. So he's pretty familiar with government. He was the one who said, uh, we were not talking politics. We were just talking about this particular issue. And he had said to me, dude, this is mm-hmm. like written into the laws. He's like, like if right. you're doing subsidized <clears throat> housing every, every other street inside a new development, that's written into a law. The developer had to agree to that, but he doesn't care because he's going to sell those to this government-funded property manager right. that controls the subsidized housing. So he's going to get paid the full amount, if not more, than if he sold that to somebody privately. He doesn't give a crap when you know some deadbeats move in there and destroy the place because it's already passed to a property manager who's already guaranteed by the government that if somebody destroys those townhouses, they're going to be repaid by the government. In fact, he said they probably will encourage it because they're going to get more money than it actually is going to cost to repair it. I can tell you that for fact because in many um, many housing authorities uh, across the nation, um, when the government is paying for these houses and they are destroyed, they go right back in. Meaning if you put a new kitchen in, 
and within a week they take those cabinets out and sell them to somebody, um, the government comes right back in and puts more cabinets in. <laughs> oh, or appliances, or, or, or I'm telling you, even batteries for smoke detectors. Um, you name it, they get everything. And yet, if they destroy it, it gets replaced. So yeah, uh, you're right there. That even if it's encouraged, uh, you know, you're putting up door. If the, if the if it's three o'clock in the morning, the police are kicking in a door. Right. One of the employees is showing up to replace that door. You know. Um, so yeah, no, no, the, that money flows. Oh yeah. Now, I just want to jump back real quick because I was skimming this while we were talking. This is the World Economic Forum article on the ESG framework because we're talking about mm -hmm. money, right? So this relates government money, right? So right here, this yeah. is called the bright spots in a complicated ESG framework. Well, it's complicated. Whose fault is that? It's them. They come up with the uh, complicated framework. But it's saying right here, ESG investing is a fast-growing sector of finance, and according to Bloomberg Intelligence, global ESG assets are likely to surpass forty-one trillion dollars in trillion trillion in two thousand two, and fifty trillion dollars by twenty twenty-five. ESG is now an essential component in every corporate strategy. From a risk mitigation mm -hmm. and opportunity optimization standpoint and creating measurable recognized standards for ESG investment where failure to meet these results in penalties enables investors to better evaluate ESG commitments. So they're taught like everyone started talking about ESG what in the last year, year and a half, really, since more people started investigating. Uh, since March 2020. But guys, in th three years from now, they're saying this is going to be, there's going to be $50 trillion in global ESG assets. $50 trillion. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. Now, and there was, oh gosh, I can't find it. I'm looking for it while you were reading that. It wasn't, it wasn't long ago that Biden put out a White House statement about investing in ESG and pensions. It's something he did recently. I'm trying to find the article, but go ahead. Keep, keep, keep well, chatting. Well, no, I was just going to say, so, so the audience, if you guys don't know what this is, is it's uh, environmental, social, and corporate governance. ESG is a risk management tool to cater to long-term risks that organizations are likely to face in the future. It's, oh, it's freaking garbage. Oh, here. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And then they're pushing, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab's favorite stakeholder capitalism, of which, you know, he wrote a book about that as well. Right. Yeah. This I is mean, why see, it's this so is important. The, the, this stuff this is, is all over the place. The ratings are the corporate social credit score, Okay. So, so corporations have a gun to their head to get as woke as possible, as fast as possible, to be energy efficient as possible. You name it. This is now what they're working towards. We spoke about this on Mike's show many times. 
um, that they spend more time, corporations spend more time in meetings um, talking about compliance issues than <laughs> their actual business, you know? This is what's going on. And there are many industries where the employees are being schooled on these ESG for investments and how to sell it to the clients. And I've heard back from some people that tell me, my clients don't even know what this is about. Mm. And yet they want to put, they want to push it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you why, like in, in, podcasts and shows and research you've done why are these major companies in line to do this if we believe that the you know customers are going to be turned against it is it because the major investors like blackrock and vanguards and uh and these others are behind these companies now and own large enough uh shares in the company that they're able to direct them to do it Larry Fink is of BlackRock is the major pusher of this. He is all dug in. Um, he is an architect at the World Economic Forum. Um, he's all in on this. I would say he's majorly responsible for pushing many of these corporations in this direction. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So BlackRock puts their money behind these companies. Nowadays, if you control three, four, five, ten percent of a company's uh, shares, you're a pretty big player. And, uh, you know, I mean, the leaders of these companies we look at are the CEOs, the chief executive officers, but the CEOs are always all handpicked by the mm-hmm. board of directors anyway. And the board of directors are, if they're controlled by a BlackRock, which is run by a Larry Fink, then that's the answer right there. It's like they make the calls. Yes. They make all the calls. This is is definitely, this is a top-down design. Just like we know, before March, um, before the shutdown on March 17th, 2020, I think it was just days before, um, Trump had a phone call into Larry Fink. Now, you and I, Mike, Mike and I, behind the scenes between March and the beginning of April, we were saying, how did the switch, how did one switch (laughs) shut down virtually every corporation? Like overnight, you had every sporting facility shut down and movie theaters and amusement parks. And it was like being like, like every time you, you know, turned on the news or, or wherever you were getting your news from, it was like every minute there was an update. This one shuts down. This one shuts down. Like, How is this happening? And we really couldn't figure it out. We're like, wow, is there like a bat phone, a red bat phone? That yeah, well, exactly. Did, said, they, did they push us you, into the metaverse know. and we're living in COVID land, right. the uh, high school theater production right. video game? I mean, what is this? Literally right. overnight, we, we were very we'd be calling you. each other over the course of two weeks. We're like, did they put up the plexiglass in your gas station yet? <laughs> yeah, it's up. Do they have the dots? Wait, they have the same dots on the ground in that gas station and that gas station? And yeah. then the floor mats that came out, like, save the world, use hand sanitizer. And then before it was literally over the course of two weeks it was like watching one of these uh subsidized housing complexes being built it the 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 framing went up the tyvek went up 
you know, the, the plywood went up, the insulation went up, the sheetrock went up, and within a matter of two weeks, COVID land, the amusement park, was across the entire world. Yeah, and, and we wondered. We wondered for a long time how all that happened until the more we learned and, in, 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 you know, digging and investigating, we're like, wait a second, there's an article out there on how Trump had a call in with Larry Fink. So all... The only conclusion I could come to is Larry was guaranteeing folks that don't worry, the government's going to be printing trillions of dollars and y'all be fine. Um, because I just don't know. The only people that were screwed over and not a part of, you know, this would have been the, the small business owners um, that were just left. Like, what do you like? That's what we were saying. We're like, wait a second. How could you tell a pizza parlor owner? that he has to shut his doors. Like government is telling you, you can't earn money to, you know, pay your bills and feed your family. This is insanity. But yeah, the only way they were able to bribe those guys. And the only way they were able to bribe them into submission was by turning on the printing press for the PPP loans. I mean, that was the only way they were able to force them into submission. Correct. uh, Just like they got everyone else to play along as an extra in the COVID land, the movie, by sending them their uh, extra check. Yeah, you know, like, thank you for being an extra. Your $1,200 will be appearing in your mailbox in one week. Right, big deal. But, okay, here, here's an article I found in Forbes from November. Hey, come uh, on, Maria, November $1,200? $1,200, oh, you're going to yeah. complain to them. Maria, you could fill your gas tank with that now, you know? Don't be so, <laughs> don't, don't be so salty over that. That's a tank of gas. Um, <laughs> I'm super salty about everything. Um, the for, the, the, here's a Forbes article I found. The Biden administration has proposed a rule that would make it easier for employer-sponsored retirement plans to offer funds that adhere to so-called environmental, social, and government ESG metrics. So that was, um, that was last November. So they, they are putting their blessing on oh, that. Oh, wait. Yeah, and I just found an article here. Let me see if I can pull it up on the fly. This was from CNBC from March 10, 2021. Biden administration won't enforce Trump-era ESG rule for 401k plans. The Biden administration mm-hmm. won't enforce blah, blah, blah. Uh, that made it harder to use ESG funds in 401k plans, the Labor Department said Wednesday. The agency is reviewing the rule that the Trump-era measure is inconsistent with the Biden executive order on climate and the environment, the Labor Bureau said. Right. Right. And, and, and it's considered um, S- SRI, socially responsible investing. Socially, right. Really? this is this is the world we live in now everything is put into a box everything is put into a box well and everything is made I mean mean, this is how it's always been but it's always made to sound like it's in our best interest like socially responsible you know climate governance Uh, Elon Musk saying AI is going to take us over it could be the end of the world unless I come in and we merge and if we merge with them we can save ourselves you know because I love you and if we merge with machines that's how we're going to save ourselves in the meantime 
I'll continue to build it and it will kill all of us until you agree to sit down and merge with it. So it's like they mm-hmm. just constantly try to make things sound like they're good for us. But they've been doing that forever. Right. I mean, remember, you know, back in the Glenn Beck days, you, you'd always hear about these funny bills. Like it'd be a bill that says they're going to kill you, but it would be like plan to allow Americans to sleep more because they deserve it. But really, it's like a plan to uh, mass genocide us. <laughs> it's like plan to allow Americans to sleep more because they deserve it. It, it just shows it's 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 all there. It's been there. It's not going away. Um, how long is it going to take for all of this to surface to the top to where it's common conversation with everyone? I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Well, I'm I'm working on a guest now who knows a lot about uh, like um, finance and geopolitics is it's not who you think it is and geopolitics connected to finance and i was talking to them today about their opinion of the great reset from the financial side of things from basically the way that these guys have rigged the uh financial systems and everything over the years and that's all coming to a head and how they are going to flip us into the cbdc currency like that's basically inevitable and then what's mm-hmm. going to happen to, like, Social Security will be ended, uh, but things like 401Ks and IRAs and savings that people, you know, who did the responsible thing over the last 10, 20, 40 years, they're going to just wipe that out by using inflation. So, essentially, if you have 100000 or $200,000 in your 401K under Trump, which now, because stocks drop, let's say you had two hundred and now it's one fifty, but that one fifty compared to three years ago is really only seventy five because you lost fifty percent of that buying <laughs> power. And so, what they're going to do is they're just going to use inflation under the guise of all the systems collapsing by starting more things like the Russia Ukraine war, where they say that drove up, you know, Putin drove up gas prices. Putin is starting supply chain issues, and they're going to create more events like that to push inflation further. So basically, they're just going to take away your retirement through inflation. And then they're going to come in and say, well, we've got this new system and we can give you these crypto tokens and now we're going to reset it. But the way they're going to bribe everyone is they're going to have sort of an offering, which is to wipe out your debt. So they're going to say they're going to wipe out your credit card debt or they're going to clear the debt off the books of college loans. And that's going to be the way to get you to agree to it, even though your 401k will be depleted. But because most people don't understand inflation, they won't understand how it works. But he said at the end, you might have $100,000 sitting up on the screen and you're looking at your 401k, but that $100,000 may only buy a loaf of bread by the time these guys are done with what they're working on right now. Right. Scary no, that stuff. Will, that would be great. That <laughs> yeah, be it'll great be great. <laughs> hey, at least, you have a few, at least you'll have a few cans of tomato sauce laying around, though. I do, I do. I'm I'm preparing as best I can. <laughs> uh, you know what I Listen. went and did because I knew they were going to be in high demand. So the last couple of weeks, I've been collecting crickets. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your bartering power going. I figure I figure I was going to beat Klaus Schwab to the punch. I said, you know, if we're going to be eating crickets, I'm collecting a lot of them. 
Yeah, bartering power, man. You're you're ahead of the game. Hey, that's that's. I mean, that's what I'm working on. And this other person I was speaking to, I just want to say to the audience because we're starting to talk about solutions too. What this person recommended is, if if you decide to go the route of getting a piece of land and building a homestead, and you're going to try to garden and produce as much as you can, grow as much as you can. You know, obviously anyone who has a garden even knows it's a lot of work. So they said it is a ton of work to go and do this. You always are going to be reliant in the beginning stages, too, on being able to get seeds and starter plants and supplies and such, which if these guys Mm -hmm. just choke out the supply chains on the small independent nurseries, they decide, like, we're going to shut them down. They can't get fertilizer. They can't get soil. Then we can't buy any supplies anyway. But they said the other thing that people should do if they have time is really invest in developing a skill right now if you don't have one where you can barter. So they said if you're making your money in whatever right. web development, programming, this and that now, that's okay if you're able to stay in the new Matrix Metaverse world. But if you decide you have to right. go into this Amish-style living, then you better learn blacksmith skills or gunsmithing or something that you're actually going to be able to barter with people who are living that same type of lifestyle. And they said, so if you could work on that right. now while you still have access to YouTube and free education with all the good information that's out there, learn that now because you might need it in a year or two. If you decide you're going you're gonna to bebop the hell out of here and go try to live off the grid, well, you're going to have to have a skill set that you can trade with people while you're off the grid. And the, and the more rare that skill is, just like in the workforce, the more chance you're right. going to survive because people are going to protect you because they go, hey, that's the guy who knows how to fix guns. Like, <laughs> we need to keep this yeah. guy alive. And, yeah, and Mike, Mike uh, talks about that a lot where he says, you, you know, we have no idea, you, you know, where any of this is going or what timeline we're on. And, and he says it all the time. You still have time. You still have time to make adjustments. You still have time, you, you know, to figure out, you know, if the what ifs happen, where you want to be, what you want to do. And, and I am a firm believer in that. I mean, if, if, if no one's ever had a garden in their life, um, it's never too late. There, there's lots of ways for you to learn how to do things, whether you have a small piece of ground or, you know, a large piece of ground, or if you want to make that move, uh, you know, to buy that yeah, big I, piece I mean, of the, property if you're young, you know. The upside to this is I think – that we have a little more time than we actually believe we have. Now, I would say don't waste yes. that time. Don't lay around watching no, Netflix. I, like Get I off agree. your butt and start working on things. I invest an hour a day into doing it. But I think we have a little more time than we believe because the, the more I look at this, and I've said this for a number of years now, the only real things that these people fear, and especially after the last couple of weeks of putting in a lot of hours into watching Musk and Ray Kurzweil and these these really sick guys explain this. The only thing they really fear is death. I mean, some of them, like Ray Kurzweil, he's like this Woody Allen character. He really fears death. He wants to be immortal. But these guys, the threat that we humans, the regular people, the plebeians to them, is that they do fear us revolting against them and not through a fake Black Lives Matter movement or a fake Antifa movement or even the fake insurrection movement on our side on January 6th. They fear being pulled from their homes and literally beaten to death with a shovel on their front lawn 
And the other thing they fear is that another guy as powerful as them, like another mob boss that wants their territory, takes them out. And then the guys like Kurzweil and Musk or whatever, they want immortality. They must really fear death because I don't know anyone that really wants to live forever. Well, it, it, well So what I'm, what I'm they, saying is I don't think it's going to be as fast as we as we think it might be because if they push us too far all at once that is where there is a chance that there will be people that push back because mm. once you believe that once you see like wait a minute you're going to take my my 401k tomorrow f screw you that's when people literally will go nuts and they have a chance of being physically hurt so i do think it's going to be sort of it's on a fast track now we are seeing this in warp speed as compared to years in, in the past, but I don't think it's going to be overnight. I think they have to orchestrate a lot no, of Russia-Ukraine no. wars I mean, the only The happen. only thing, yeah, and that's what I mean, the only thing that could we have to be prepared for is, is if their plans don't work and things just collapse naturally. We already saw in March of 2020 supermarkets go empty almost overnight. We, we witnessed that firsthand. You and... Uh, there, there were five of us in five states where we went out and we checked all of the supermarkets and they were all, most of them empty. So these event, this event could happen again um, for many reasons. We, we already know that they, they um, do simulations with cyber exercises and grids going down and, you know, food supply chains, orchestrated famine. These are all things that can happen outside of their plans. Because when something goes wrong, then it's a domino effect. Somebody like Ray Kurzweil, I don't know if it's as much as that people like that are afraid of death or as much as they want to sustain their life to see their science projects uh, fulfilled. You know, they want to get to that next stage. Like you were explaining that he wants to uh, be alive long enough to get to a certain point because he believes this technology will be um, around and could make him live a little bit longer to go on to the next. I, I think it's more uh, wanting to see if what they envision works. Yeah, there's, well, there's some of that. And with some of these guys, um, I, like on the show, I can only get into a little bit of it. But it, but now that Yuval Noah Harari is in video saying it, um, some of them actually believe uh, and, and next time you're on the show, maybe we can get into this, some of these other podcasts that are pushing people into this new age spirituality, but some of them actually believe like they're going to become gods. Like they, like Yuval Noah Harari right. talks about each person becoming a god. And I just tell the audience, like, go look up Anton LaVey and LaVey and Satanism. Like that's what that is, where you are a god. Now, look, I think you should go out there and work your butt off, whether it's for your career or whether it's for your family or whether to build your your personal legacy, you know, your estate that you want to leave behind, whatever that is, and not wait for God to do it for you. I think you need to work hard and maybe God will look down on you and go, hey, that guy's working hard, that's great, and give you a thumbs up. But if you sit around and wait for it, no, but that's different than what these guys are saying, which is you will literally become God, the manifestation of God right. by having this chip well, in your head he, that beams all the powers down into your brain. I mean, that, 
those are sick people that believe in that. But the sad part is there's someone behind them. I mean, I know the CIA is pumping money into their projects, but they are pumping money into these guys' projects, putting them on the world stage, letting them wield power. Uh, they're very influential. So, you know, you've got that going on while we have these sustainable goals going on, while we have the total now control through the ESGs of all the corporations. So all this really is, is sort of this technocratic consolidation of power. And it's all becoming, right. whatever was decentralized before is now becoming completely centralized. Correct. Which is a one world <laughs> exactly. government. <laughs> We've been talking about that for years. It's back to the Bingo. NWO. It's back to the, but right. But they just renamed it because they knew if they kept saying new world order, new world order, everybody just turns it off and goes, oh, that's kooky. That'll never happen. Even though, you know, HW said it would happen. Um, <laughs> and new world and they, order. Just, they substituted, yeah, they just substituted all for sustainability. That, that's, when, that's the buzzword. When you hear sustainability, that's the new world order. Ties into climate. Um, and everything else comes in line. The, well, the, you know, and the worst, sustainable development goes. And the worst part is when you look at this stuff through the lens of nuance and you're not trying to fit yourself into the box of some, you know, political ideology that was written out for you. And they say, well, which box do you check? What are you going to be? The sad part is not necessarily what they're pushing, but climate change and pollution and all this. There's a lot of this is real. Why? Because the very people that are trying to now blame us and make you feel guilty and make you hate yourself because you're a polluter and you use a gas guzzling car and you buy water inside of petroleum based bottles. They're the people that made all those products. I mean, we didn't discover gasoline. I mean, discover oil and then refine it mm -hmm. to gasoline and build these cars. We didn't put water into petroleum-based bottles. They did all this. So the very people that have been polluting then try to flip it around and blame us and then say the solution to fixing pollution mm -hmm. and climate change is to give us more technocratic power over you so that we can fix these problems but they never actually admit that they're the ones who cause the problems that I, that's the, one of the funny parts no that'll never happen no but that's a lot of the gaslighting yeah, but, but have you ever heard a tucker carlson or anyone that, that friends of ours would praise go on tv and even pose it that way and go wait a second we are the polluters. We're yeah. not the ones who created the products. We only buy the things that you put on the shelf for us to buy. When I go in the grocery store, I can only buy what's available to me on the shelf. Right. And they and and now they want to control that, take that away. And uh, you know, to where what has been around forever like meat now they, they, because of their, their plastic bottles and, and pollution that they feel is everywhere, um, they want you to eat crickets. Do you see the extreme? <laughs> they, they go all the way to the extreme. It's like, you, you know, you we're polluting the earth with uh, water bottles and, you know, let's take the meat away. <laughs> so, I know. I, know, uh, I just got to say, one of the funniest things I find at the grocery store is people that buy, like, there's like seven or eight brands of, like, baby food now. And everything is, like, organic, right? So the organic pear, blackberry, oat, you know, banana, spinach, carrot. 
All of this organic baby food comes in petroleum-based plastic pouches with a plastic right. nipple on the top of it that you're letting your kids suck on. So your kid is sucking right. on gasoline plastic uh, so that it can eat this supposed organic food, of which, uh, because I got close to a lot of produce managers and stuff over the last couple of years, I found out the organic doesn't even mean that it's not GMO, and they can use over 150 chemicals on it because the term organic, as it's labeled in a grocery store, is owned and controlled by the same people that own the non-organic food supply, and they're the ones who lobby Congress to write the definition of what organic actually means. So you can literally eat something organic and think it's organic, but last week Congress could have changed the rule so that organic right. literally means human feces. <laughs> you could be sucking it out of a bottle and go, this is organic. I mean, that's literally the time we live in now. It's certainly crazy. So as a wrap-up on this uh, episode, and I appreciate you coming on, uh, what would you say to people based on this Agenda 21, Agenda 30, and all this stuff? I mean, basically, the wrap-up is that this has been going on for a long time. Uh, you know, we no, know why, collection yeah, of know things why that, how we can trained. look at what's coming in the future. Correct. Uh, try to get out in front of it. I always say that. Um these are the playbooks to know why your world is changing. Now, many people listening to your show may already know a good portion of this, but to pull out the bullet points or, you know, a synopsis of it all, this is, it's no mystery. And if you can get to your politicians, if you still have that one foot in the political arena and you can get to politicians and hold their feet to the fire and make them answer the questions um, even better. Until all of that happens, there is nothing going to change on the political level. Because the more uh, the elected officials continue to deny these things or, or not even acknowledge they exist, then globalism wins. And we did not vote for this. We voted the folks in D.C. And they're not informing their voters what's going on. So, of course, we have to do it ourselves. We have to educate ourselves and our friends and our peers and, and whoever wants to listen. We all know we have people in our life that don't want to listen. But if you could find those groups of people that are plugged in, it's the only way you could start making change at the, at the local level. You know, and then maybe up the state and it's going to take a very long time. None, none, none of this, none of this is going to happen for a few cycles because it, it can't happen overnight. You know, unless a meteor hits D.C. Uh, in one big swoop. No, if you have to replace people one by one by one by exposing the fact that they've they signed certain bills um, that fed into all of these changes then it's going to be a very long time in order to replace these people one by one. I, yeah. I, I told you I researched, I researched some local candidates here and looked at all of their bios because, you know, I don't get to see the commercials because I don't watch television, so I don't get to see any of the negative or positive commercials out there. So I'm looking at all their bios, 
and I find this one guy, and he's he he's one of the guys. Out of I think five five candidates in a district, I'm picking this one guy because he was the only one in his bio that said, you know, we must stop the communist takeover and stop the global elites. That one sentence has my vote because he's the only one that even dared utter global. His name was Elon Musk, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he tweeted that. No, no. He tweeted that. No, no. But, but I mean, this is, this is the only thing we can do. We, we can just educate ourselves on what has happened in the past, what is happening now, where we are headed, and hedge, hedge against it the best we can. Exactly. I think that's all there is to do. And like I said, I, I mean, as of right now, my approach is to figure this out and then build a future in which I'm, I'm going to have to live one foot in it and one foot out of it. It seems to be the realistic approach now. But yeah. as I learn more on this show from doing research and then guests I'm going to talk to, and once I start doing these audience Q&As at pain.tv, um, you know, if, if my, uh, my plans change, the solutions I come up with change, then I'm going to share that with everybody. I mean, part of this show is a journey for me because uh, I don't oh, have I the answers. If I had all the answers, I'd be off no. doing it. I wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's next level stuff with, you know, I, I like the idea that you're going to share everything you're doing with people. Um, one, it's fun, you know, to see things in practice and, and you know, we all need, it, it's uplifting, it's motivating. When you see other people doing it, you're like, oh, you know, I could do that too or I wouldn't do that. Even if it's something small, it doesn't have to be something big. You could start a small um, self, you know, when I, I hate using the word sustainability anymore because it, it, it's just like, in my mouth, you know, because <laughs> it falls right into um, the UN baloney. But we all need the, the, the self-sustainability the best we can. So any small project that you can do for yourself does actually make you feel good because it makes you feel like you're being proactive in something that you do have control over at this time. And that's what we have to do. That's why I love talking about homeschooling. Because as long as you can homeschool, that's power. Power in your household. So you use the power you have. And depending upon the state you have, some have a lot of power. But you, you got to hang on to the powers that we do have. And teach yourself new things and, and get motivated. So yeah, I, I'm going to enjoy when you go out to the farm and interview these people and... Um, you know, showing us your journey along the way. It's going to be great. I'll hopefully have some good videos from Poland. I'm going to be learning how to make whiskey and wine, which are great barter uh, products, even in the middle yeah. of a great depression, because uh, people want to mm -hmm. get drunk while their lives suck. So, <laughs> so it's a great, uh, it's a great product to have. I know people in certain States where it's legal that have been growing and storing and they're smart about how they're doing it and how they're storing it. Because they're not storing it at home, they're doing it off-site. But a lot of them are doing uh, 
like 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 aluminum foil sealed cannabis because uh, they're uh, people that i know that don't even smoke pot and they're like i'm doing this because it's a good barter product in the future so there are people that i know i've run into i talk even even old friends of mine from high school that i would have never thought are into this are now uh you know putting right. together new skills and starting to figure out products and things that they can make and services they can use to trade and barter with so it's good to see that people are actually thinking this way now at the end you know if the government decides to poison our water or laser zap us so be it i mean then then that's what it, there's you're not going to stop that you can only focus on the things that you do have control over right that now you right whatever you have control over you continue on that journey. I mean, I even have encountered people that do not know as much as we're talking about right now, but they know something's not right. They know something's coming and they, in their own small ways are preparing. They're making, you know, better purchasing choices. They're, um, deciding to wait on certain things. Um, Yes, believe it or not, there. You know, with the price of food, because because again, a lot of people are learning how to can and jar um, and grow. Not even because they're thinking there may not be no food on the shelves. A lot of them are doing it because they're like, you know what? If I can start jarring at today's prices, right now, you know, the food I buy today, right. the tomatoes I buy today. Um, and jar them, well, then I'm ahead of the game because they might be double next month. So that, that's another thing I'm noticing people are doing because there's a lot of people out there that can't grow the food. They don't live where they could grow the food. But if you could go to a farm and, and get things, um, you know, at a good price, there's a lot of farmer's markets. You know how they do, we'll say the whole bushel for five bucks, maybe, you know, yeah. they want to get rid of them. Whatever. So, yeah, people are taking that and saying, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to take these home and cook them up, jar them up, and I'm ahead of the game because we all see what the prices in the supermarkets are doing. Now, the, the, the food might always be there on the shelves, but it just might be so horrifically expensive. You won't be able to afford it. Oh, yeah, and look, I, so I you, mean, it's the same thing as restaurants when they raise the prices uh during times like this I, i've talked to many of the produce managers at the stores and they basically tell me like once they raise that price they're not really going to come back down right so if they right. were right. forced to go from a dollar to a dollar fifty to for a nectarine that nectarine is really not going to come back to a dollar uh, or you'll see it like gasoline where they, they do this to us every three four years on a cycle gas will go from two to four dollars and then they'll bring it back down to 350 and then it'll go up from three fifty again. It'll never go back to two dollars. So the prices are never really going to come down at the stores. And that's why if you have cash sitting on the sidelines and you're not trying to play like I am this game where I got to hold it because I want to get a property. If, if I already had one and didn't need it, I would be using it to buy a bunch of goods and supplies and stuff that I think are right. going to go up in price in a year or two just right. to hedge against inflation. Right. I mean, is your money better off right. if... Let's say you want, I don't know, you don't want it, but let's say you want a case of plastic water bottles. You know, if I if they're $3 today and I think they're going to be $6 next year and I have the ability right. to buy and store 100 cases of water, then why not do it? Because my cash that's sitting there is losing value every day as they as they drive inflation up. So, the it's you know, it's like that's buying gold correct. to hedge against inflation. 
Right. So I am seeing that. I'm talking to a lot of people that are doing that. They're 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 just saying whatever I can get now. You, you know, some people do the buy one get one free. So you, whatever they're getting, and, and they want to put it on the shelves, or you know, like I said, the produce they want to jar it. Good for them. At least you feel like you are being in control of something. It's keeping yeah. people motivated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just did uh, jarring for the first time this weekend. We jarred cucumbers from our uh, garden. We jarred green tomatoes from our garden. We jarred beets from our garden. And, uh, you know, it, actually, I think what it's happens fun, is so it? many people are afraid because if you go out there, you'll find 71 videos on uh, pickling cucumbers. Right. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is too much. But I said, you know what? I'm going to take one whole day, and I'm going to watch all these videos, like ones that you sent me, ones that I found, and I'm going to take notes like I do with the stuff I talk about here until I figure out Mm -hmm. a recipe and a formula that seems to work for me. And then I'm going to try that. It's going to take four or six weeks for those pickles to get to a point where I could try them and see. Are they too mushy right. because this guy boiled them too long or it was too high of a temperature? And then you're going to know after the first batch. And just like a recipe, right. you're going to try it again. I mean, you got to wait longer with this. But so what? If my cucumbers are mushy, I'm still going to eat them. I mean, because I'm not going to waste ours the Ours came food, out so. great. Oh, yeah. they did? No, ours came out great. You know, oh, we, again, it was our first time trying. Yeah, and they did. They came out great. How long um, did you boil them? No, it's, it's, it's all fun. Oh, God, I can't remember. Was it 30 15 minutes, minutes or 10 minutes? Oh, okay. I can't, I cannot remember. Well, let me ask, are you putting the brine in right from the boil or were you letting it cool? Yes. No, 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 boil. Oh, and they were still yeah. crunchy? Well, well, yeah, and we put okay, them away good. and, you know, when they were ready, they were, they were crunchy. Yeah, they're fine. Oh, that's fantastic. Maybe 15 minutes. I can't, I can't remember. Maybe I did 15 minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, if we take a trip uh, to Florida, we're going to film over there at your homestead. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my, my, my little, my little postage stamps homestead. <laughs> I know, but your setup Port, is really cool. Quarter acre. It's cute, right? It, 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 it's working for me. I like it. It works. He, he built me the outdoor kitchen to, you know, put the big pots out there and do my thing. Yeah. It works fantastic. All right. I know you've got to run, and i got to run because i got to get up early in the morning, edit a couple of shows, pick up a car, and drive from Maryland to Newark to get on a plane to go to Poland. And hopefully during uh, the time right now, I'll be honest for the folks, it's 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. Hopefully I don't catch monkeypox between now and and the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a safe trip, and I'm sure I'll be talking to you or texting with you while you're away. All right. It'll be great. Yeah. And I'll text you when I get over there. I will have to use a different number the way it works over there. So I will uh, send you that number when I have it. All right. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Maria Albanese. Check her out every Friday on the Thomas Paine podcast. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And have a wonderful day. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard.
on ping.tv.